What if you could live your life judgment-free? Are you ready to live the unapologetic, confident life God designed for you? Then this is the place to be. Welcome to the Bold, Brave, and Sassy Show. It's time to break free of physical, spiritual, and heart-centered challenges that have held you back for way too long. Listen in for fun and powerful tips and tools to help you break free today. Hear from our leading experts, along with me, Annie Berryhill, your host and personal guide to freedom. Now it's time to live like no one's judging. Let's go. Hey there, everybody. It's Annie Berryhill, the host of the Bold, Brave, and Sassy Show. I'm so happy that you are with me today. I have a very provocative but very important topic that I'm going to share with you. And I have a special guest who is going to kind of lead us through that uh, mucky field. (laughs) So today I want to introduce you to my friend, Elisa DiLorenzo. And let me tell you a little bit about her before we jump in. And Jump in means you got to hold on because this is serious. So, Elisa is the co host of the number one marriage podcast on iTunes, The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Elisa speaks to a worldwide audience about sex and love and commitment and challenges every listener needs to make to the relationship and make it a priority. She's passionate about helping you create the relationship you desire. As a wife whose marriage has dealt with the issues of pornography, financial crisis, and child loss, she speaks from the heart to those issues that impact relationships with a mixture of tough love and candor. She works with couples around the world, equipping them with the tools and strategies they need to create their own extraordinary marriage. She's co-authored four books with her husband, including the Amazon bestseller, Seven Days of Sex Challenge. Okay, are you guys ready? I don't know if you were expecting this today, but this is going to be awesome. Alisa, thank you so, so much for being here today. I am so excited. Oh my gosh. I just, like, I'm all lit up from the inside with just excitement and kind of bubbling over at our conversation for today. So thank you for having me. Well, you are welcome. We've been looking forward to getting together for a little while here through your husband, Tony. So I am just honored and tickled that you are here. Tickled. That's a funny word for today. It is. Uh, As people will find out. So from reading your bio, it's clear that what you focus on is maybe a topic that women aren't always willing to talk about. Mm -hmm either seeking help professionally or even just in friendships and conversation because, you know, it's intimate, it's personal. And sometimes those things are the most difficult to really admit, you know, if you're not satisfied in your sex life or you don't feel connected to your husband or your partner and, you know, however you're working that out. But, you know, tell us a little bit about, well, first off, how you moved into this arena. What, what led you here? <laughs> Uh, what led us here uh, was the fact that our own marriage was headed for no man's land. Um, about 10 years ago now, our kids were two and five, and Tony and I were really kind of in this roommate status mm. where, you know, little kids in the trenches, we had our business trying to make it work, you know, and trying to do all these things, and, and we're like two ships passing in the night. Right. We weren't having sex. We, we were barely having conversations. And we'd been asked to lead a small group at our church. And Tony calls me one day and says, I know what we should do the small group on. And I said, fine. Like, I've got a million things to think about. What do you want to talk about? And he says, I think we should talk about sex. 
And Annie, no joke. I remember looking at the phone and thinking, I can't remember the last time we had sex. Why are we get, like, like, how can you possibly? And so in kind of that snarky wife tone of voice that I think every woman has, um, I was just like, fine, find me a book, find me a study and we'll go with it. And it was, so of course he's like, okay, she's giving me permission. Let me go find a book. And she found, uh, he found the book Intimacy Ignited, presented it. You know, we shared it with our small groups later. That was fine. But then before it started, we were watching some, uh, the Today Show, some friends of ours had their kids on there. And right after the segment on their beach volleyball uh, or beach tennis, I'm sorry, there was a segment on these two couples that had done these incredible sex challenges. And one couple, the wife gave her husband a year of sex for his 40th birthday. She wanted oh, to do something. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte Mueller. She wanted to do something amazing for his birthday and give him a gift that only she could give. Okay. And then the other couple, they um, ended up doing 101 days straight. I can't, I think their book was called just do it or something like that. And so I'm sitting here that night going, Oh my gosh, <laughs> we should have just turned it off after beach tennis. And Tony looks at me and, and he gets this little look and he's like, so, you know, our small group's about eight weeks and that's kind of close to 60 days. And what if we had 60 days of sex? I, I don't even think he finished the sentence before I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like that's the most ridiculous. A, we're not having sex maybe once a month. Right. And B, we have two little kids. We're running a business. How are we going to do this? Who's got yeah. time? Who's got time to have sex every day? Right. And just to kind of put the exclamation point on it, I went and put one of those fabulous like avocado green facial masks on. <laughs> Just to be like, you know what? This isn't even happening tonight. <laughs> I dare you. Like d- d- just, and I might, I might've even stayed in the bathroom until I was sure he had fallen asleep. Oh, that's hilarious. Just, just saying. But the next day, um, and I'm not sure, you know, how Jesus reaches out to people, but, uh, other people, but he reached out to me in my garage with a basket full of laundry, one kid taking a nap and one kid at school. And I really heard the audible voice of God say, he's not asking for that much are you really not willing to try? Mm. And then there was a pause and I definitely felt like my attention had been grabbed. And the next thought that popped into my head was if you're not willing to try, then your marriage is probably over. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I should just stop doing the laundry right now and kind of focus on what's going on here. And Tony came home from work and I looked at him and I said, okay, let's get it on. (laughs) <laughs> we got to figure this out. We got to, you know, we, we, and we put some parameters in place, uh, right. you know, kind of to figure out what 60 days was going to look like for us and whatnot. But, but I said, yes. And, you know, some of you hear that story and they're like, oh my gosh, you just, you gave your husband 60 days of sex. And I said, truth be told, we did 40 out of 60. Mm-hmm. But more than that, it was the emotional connection mm-hmm. that when, when we had this common goal of saying, you know what, if we're going to be intimate every day, then I got to pick my battles. Right. Is it a big deal that I have to bring the garbage can in? No, because if it's going to cause a fight, right, that could ruin my night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And for him, you know, he likes to explain it that I had to learn that Elisa had a lot of words that she had to use during the day. And that if she didn't get her words out, there was no way I could get her to the point where she was ready to have sex. Right. And, and I think that, you know, and so there was all of this emotional connection that came out of that. And that's what launched us. It was the fact that we were roommates to lovers. Yeah. And as we started sharing our story that we realized that there were a lot of people that were in that roommate situation that wanted to become lovers again. Yeah. And I, I don't know that anyone who has ch- little children underfoot or even any children underfoot that this isn't an issue for, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, 
it, it gets to be this point where maybe you might have it once a week because of some extenuating circumstances and it certainly wasn't planned or decided upon mm-hmm. or was a goal it just sort of happened you know right. and and it's kind of the i remember when our kids were young and that was kind of happening and i i think in that moment like wait a minute this is so awesome why don't we do this more mm-hmm. you know because again for women it's that whole like i have to suspend my to-do list yes. and be here in this moment even if you fully can't get rid of your to-do list, but you have to try to concentrate. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you realize like, this is really awesome. And I really enjoy it. And we get what women mostly need from, you know, the sexual encounter. Of course there's the physicality, but for men, it's more the physicality and women, Mm -hmm. it's the emotional connection. So why wouldn't we do that if that's ultimately what we want? Right. You know, but again, we have a million excuses as you explained. And I'm sure anyone listening here could probably relate, even if they don't have kids, because they have other responsibilities they put ahead of this. So when we were talking before we got started, there's so many directions that we could go and we could talk about, but what would you say is the number one issue, hindrance, thing that comes up from your listeners, from people who contact you or that you guys talk about? To get over because this show really is in order to be bold, brave, and sassy, you have to move roadblocks out of your way. You have to Absolutely. develop an awareness of what's blocking you, what has blocked you, and then having strategies to move them out of the way is the ticket, right? You can't just go, oh, that's nice. That's really bugging me. But you actually have, a, have to have a game plan. So I'd love to know what people are challenged by the most. And it might be one or two or three things. And you just start with what comes to mind for you. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, and I mentioned in my own story, I think the number one thing is that there are so many obligations that we have on our plate. You know, we do all this work getting to the I do, getting to the wedding day, getting to the fancy dress and the great cake, and he looks so handsome. And then after that, it's all, well, I've got to take care of the kids. And we've got, you know, this volunteer obligation. And don't forget about dinner with the Smiths on Thursday and all of these kinds of stuff. And and we prioritize all of those things ahead of how much we prioritized our significant other before we said I do. And so, and, and it's almost this, um, this thought process we have, well, you know, he'll be there. Mm-hmm. Right? We're married now. We've said our vows. This is, and, and the phrase I hear a lot of women use, this is just a season. Mm-hmm. This is just, you know, like, like the infant, the newborn phase, right? This is just a season. Wait until, you know, it'll be fine once they're toddlers. Well, then they're toddlers and they can crawl, you know, climb out of their crib. Mm-hmm. Right. So now they're knocking on the door. Right. Um, and then they turn into these amazing creatures called teenagers. <laughs> and then they don't go to bed at the same time. And they come home at all hours and they knock on your door, just like we had last night. You know, Tony <laughs> and I, we were, <laughs> door is always locked. Like women, if you have children, start locking the door the moment you bring them home from the hospital. Right. Because there's mm-hmm. nothing more awkward for everybody involved than to have a child walk in because they just expect mom and dad's door to be open. Like right. that's just a free little put that in there. But so Tony and I were, you know, in the process of being intimate last night and there's the knock on the door. Are you kidding me? Cause now again, like when she was little, I could just put her to bed at seven o'clock and we'd be good for hours, you know? And you know, now at 10, she, mom, I want to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> You're like, but I'm older now and I like to go to bed early. So yeah, I need to go to bed this earlier in the day. <laughs> right. There's, there's the busy seasons of work. There's the busy seasons of, you know, navigating as we get older, navigating how to care for parents and things. There's always going to be a season. How do we, as women, figure out how to make our marriage a priority no matter what season we're in? So that, that's one of the big things that we hear. And the other thing 
that especially with my coaching clients, I hear a lot of is the disconnect that comes from the men as well. Right. Or, or I've asked so many times, like I've asked for help. I've asked for this. I've asked. And so they start to shut it off. Right. They're like, well, if I'm not going to get what I ask for. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds a lot like the crazy cycle or the crazy train. I think it's called from love and respect. Mm-hmm. Have you read that book where men want to be respected and women want to be loved. And somewhere along the line, one of those falls off. Let's say the man doesn't feel respected by the woman. Well, the reason the man doesn't feel respected is because she's not respecting him because she is completely buried by all of her responsibilities and needs him to do more to help her so she doesn't drown. So she disconnects from respecting him. He notices that and and disconnects from loving her, from showing her loving ways. Well, if she's going to be that way, I'm not going to go the extra mile to help her. And it's not even like I think a lot of people think it, they do think it to some degree, but it's more just like a feeling like they're hurt. And so they lash out or they, they hurt. So they withhold love or withhold respect. So it sounds like that same sort of thing where somebody has got to step off the crazy train and just be like, Hey, you know, I always tell my kids before there was you guys and everything that you needed wanted from us, there wasn't us. Mm-hmm. And when I remember back to the us, we didn't really think about anything else. That was, you know, we, we were just so connected. And I think that women, we get so, you know, immersed in our caretaker role that we start to caretake the world. Because if, if we finish one thing, we take on another thing. Sure. And that becomes an excuse to not be our husband's lover. And that's just not the way God intended it. Well, I remember when I had two kids in elementary school at the same time and you know, both of their elementary school teachers, we'd love for you to be a room mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, like gold star, I'm getting the room mom. Of course, I'll help out. Right. So at the end of that school year, when we've got like teacher appreciation week and we've got, you know, every party, every, everything, Tony looks at me one day and says, I do not want you to ever be room mom ever again. And the next year, you know, fast forward, you know, four months, we go into the next school year and Alex's teachers, I would love for you to be room mom. And I said, honestly, my husband and I have had a conversation. I'm not going to do this. She's like, I'll talk to him at back to school night. And so she talks to Tony and Tony's like, absolutely not. Not at the expense of our marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I I think as women, so often we get into, you mentioned the caretaking role. We love to feel needed. Exactly. And so we'll say yes to, you know, 25 things. I was just talking to a woman about this at a party on Saturday. She goes, I scheduled five things for our Saturday. She and her husband are in real estate and they have two children, four and under. Wow. And he said to her, he's like, we can't, we can't maintain this pace. Exactly. And And there's a cost. There's a cost. cost. And as women who are married, our cost usually comes in the form of our relationship with our husbands. Exactly. Because they don't feel that connection with us. And I, I feel like women should defend their marriages and protect their marriages like they protect their children. And we don't, we don't, we're very guilty of not doing that and putting the kids in front of our husband and, you know, in in the pecking order of importance, we've got God, then our marriage, then our husband, God, then our marriage, not Mm -hmm. kids, God, laundry, parents, room, mom, husband. No, (laughs) you know, there's a hierarchy on purpose because of what it, you know, without, without that relationship. Yeah. We can keep the family going. But what does that look like? What are we modeling to our kids? Right. And I'll never forget early on when we started the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, um, we got an email from a listener and new mom, 
baby was probably, I think, six months old, six, seven months old. And she actually sent the email. She's like, I'd rather dump the dirty diapers than spend time with my husband. Yikes. And I remember hitting back to her and said, um, if he knows that, which if you're telling me, I'm pretty sure that he does, there's a reason you're not getting anything from him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because like, honestly, I hated emptying the diaper pail. <laughs> but if I viewed my husband as below that task, yeah. What are the two of you doing? And, and we're so conditioned. I think there's so much messaging around, you know, we've got to be everything to our kids and we've got to make sure that they get into the best programs and the best activities and the, be- and the best and the best and the best. And what we forget is that at the end of the day, our job is to train them to be human beings who can go out and, and be successful and be the best at whatever they've been called to do. Well, and they can figure it out. I mean, that's that's it. Yes, we we can provide everything we didn't have and ever wanted, but didn't get. Well, blah 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 blah. We get caught up in that trap. We want to maximize their gifts and talents, which aren't the same as any other person's collection of gifts and talents. Right. And my goal always was, when I was younger, and and maybe this comes from some of the ways that I grew up, was that I wanted to launch my kids into being independent mm-hmm. and capable of taking care of their own lives. I didn't care if they were garbage men. I didn't care what they did to accomplish it. Well, I mean, within reason, obviously within the confines of the law and morality. Okay. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Let's say that, but you know, an honorable job Mm -hmm. being a garbage man, you know, get stuff done. But you know, the thing is I look at them now and they're 29 and 25 and our youngest had a job at 20 that he paid for his own life. He decided not to go to college because he wasn't participating where it was worth it. And we always told him like, if you don't participate, if you don't pass, we don't pay. So he's like, mm, I'm out. Okay, cool. So he figured out a way. Our elder son uh, was a Marine. He figured out a way and they're both financially independent from us. And that was my goal was that they would figure it out. Has it been a smooth road? Have, have I laid out every red carpet for them? No, no. I want to use some of our hard earned money for us. Yes. And, you know, I think it's as parents too, as wives and mothers, we also have to look at, we're actually modeling the next generation. We're modeling for the next generation. We're the role models. You know, we have to demonstrate what does it look like to have a healthy relationship that is not always perfect. Exactly. Oh, yeah. A a healthy relationship where, you know, couples do disagree, right? A healthy relationship where couples are affectionate with one another, where our kids know, I mean, because of what we do, our kids know and have known about sex from a very early age. I mean, you can't help but walk past our podcast studio and they find out. But, but as part of that, they also know that that's a vital part of our marriage. And we've had them walk up every once in a while when they do knock on the door and I come to the bedroom door in my robe and, you know, whichever one's at the door is like, are you guys about to... That's so and there's awesome. just that awkward silence. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is, yeah. So what do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Make it quick. Right? <laughs> because this is, this is a part of our life. And I want them to know that because when they get married, yeah. you know, so many of us grew up with this, this messaging that sex wasn't talked about or, or if there was messaging about sex, it was that sex was dirty. Mm-hmm. Sex was only for sex or to make babies. You know, there were all of these very limiting messages around sex. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, you have the wedding day, you get married and your husband's like, let's do this. (laughs) And you've got all these messages popping up in your head going, "Mm, good girls don't do that kind of stuff. Mm. And, and you know what, sex, sex is kind of dirty and uh, it's just to make babies. So if we're not making a baby right now, like I'm not interested. 
Right. I, and, and I'm sure that there's women who have, you know, we all have our tapes for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that particular tape, but uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's important to, again, that awareness of understanding that like, just like if I was in this moment right now, just enjoying the presence and this intimacy with my husband and I could suspend all that, how would that, you know, be different? And yeah. that is applicable from the wedding night forward. Like, mm-hmm. Let's just be together as us. So I want to, I want to circle back because yeah. we, we talked in depth about the issue. How do you advise people to actually overcome some of those challenges of being mm-hmm having too many things on your to-do list and not making your marriage and intimacy a priority. How do you help people through that? So a couple of different things. One is I, I think it's important that every person does, you know, maybe at least once a year, if not twice a year, maybe even once a quarter, do a time audit. Pull up your, I'm guessing most people are on Google Calendar or some kind of calendar platform, probably on their phone. Although Tony is still old school, pen and paper, just the way he is. Um, so we have to do both, but pull it up and see where you're spending your time. Mm -hmm. You'll know when all those blocks show up and not a single one of them says my love or date night or time alone or weekend away, you're going to know where your time is going. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's often looking at what are all the good things that I'm doing? Because all of the things that we've talked about today have been good things and they impact a lot of people. They're good, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have to make some choices about the good things in order to have the great marriage, mm-hmm. in order to have the great connection. Because you have to have time in order for our marriages to be strong and healthy and vibrant. We actually have to invest time, which is our most precious commodity, in that. Exactly. It, it doesn't just happen. I, I think Hollywood has done such a huge disservice that that we can get to happily ever after in about two hours and 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, not exactly. Not exactly. No. And so it's, it's looking at that time audit. It's looking at being so intentional about your relationship in the same way that you'd be intentional about your career. I mean, we were talking you know, before we even started the recording about the fact that you know, CrossFit is your thing in the afternoons, right? And, and so it's intentional. I'm sure it shows up like clockwork. You know that four o'clock hour is CrossFit. Well, getting to the point where we're putting our spouses on our calendar, not because they're, you know, it's like, oh, we have to schedule it, but because you know what, you're so important Mm -hmm. that I'm going to make an appointment with you. I often tell women, I'm like, it's like trying to get in for, you know, your annual physical, Mm -hmm. you schedule it. It's on there. You know, if you have to call the doctor's office and reschedule, it could be three months exactly before you get it. So having that same mindset around our husbands, we're like, I'm not going to break a date with you. Right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to schedule you. I'm going to schedule conversations with you. I'm not even going to go so far as to schedule sex. Mm-hmm. That's something funny I talk about. Not like down to the minute, like ladies don't get all weirded out that Elisa <laughs> said it needs to be on your calendar at 9.03 on Fridays, but, but to have a schedule so that you know if the two of you want to have sex twice a week, what does that look like? Exactly. What do you fit that in? I, th- I think it's monumentally important, not because like you said, it's going to be down to the minute, but because it is scheduled in your schedule. And, and when you were talking about doing a time audit to find time. I think also what people need to realize is when you do that time audit, where you spend your time reflects what's important to you. And if you see that you don't have your husband on there, you don't have time marked out with him to go for a walk, to go just have coffee with him, to meet him in the middle of the day for lunch, however your life works, it's reflective of the fact that you don't make him a priority, that you're just getting by. You're, you're just doing the bare minimum. You're existing together mm-hmm. and trying to make this family work. And 
I love it. I have, I have several people that I know who literally have their days of the week that it's non-negotiable sex day because it's based on his work schedule and Mm -hmm. her work schedule and they make it a priority. I don't know what they do during that time. I don't know what time. I just know that it happens regularly on that particular day. And I used to laugh and I used to think it was funny when maybe there was a time that I was having sex more frequently than, you know, I was like, that's kind of silly. We just do it when we do it. But then as I got older and got a little bit more, you know, frazzled and overwhelmed, I realized the importance of it mm-hmm. and it, it works. And the other part of it too, that when you were talking was the importance of, especially for women, I think more time that goes past in between, like men have that physical release that they have to have. Right. Mm-hmm. So it builds up and it's more uncomfortable for them because it's right. so physical, they're physical in that way. But for us emotionally, with so many emotional things going on in our lives, we learn how to push that down. We learn how to quell that so we don't have to feel that. But the minute I have always found that the minute I have a long gap, maybe he's traveling or we were mad at each other or whatever, and go back to it, it's like magic. It turns it all back on. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. I forgot how wonderful this is. And I want more. And it tends to be sort of the catalyst into doing it more frequently. So it's just like, get over that hump, yeah. <laughs> get over that hump and, you know, just do it. Just, get, you know, get one under your belt. Right. <laughs> I love that. I know. I don't know where they came from. (laughs) And there's, there's another benefit to, to having, you know, scheduled sex, whatever that looks like for the, I mean, Tony and I've done multiple shows on scheduling sex, but it also helps because a lot of times in marriage, there's like a high desire spouse and a low desire spouse. Mm -hmm. And stereotypically we think that the guys are the high desire and and the gals are low desire. That's not always the case. And we have just got an email this morning from a woman who's like, what about me? I'm high desire. He doesn't want to it can go either way, but having that conversation around your sex life. And this is a big thing too, that a lot of women are like, Oh my gosh, I mean, we have to talk about sex. Yes. Talk about sex. Talk about how frequently the two of you want to have it. And, and you know, you're kind of negotiating that back and forth. I mean, he may say five and you say two and it's like, okay, can we do three? Mm-hmm. Like every other day, what does that look like? But if you're the lower desire spouse, then you know what the expectation is. Exactly. If you're the high desire spouse, then you know that you've got the buy-in from this other person that, okay, like I can't go to five, five terrifies me, but three, I can commit to three. Mm -hmm. And and so now it becomes this, this, you take out the guessing game when it comes to sex, Mm -hmm. because now you've got a plan and you can, as a team, you know, and husbands and wives, you are, you are on the same team, not on opposing teams. And so as a team, you have a plan and you're like, okay, let's try this for 30 or 60 days. And then let's sit down and just kind of do a, you know, it's kind of like a performance review. Let's sit down and see how it's working. Right. And what do we need to change? How do you know, but it, it, we don't talk about sex enough, which you would never believe it if you walked into a grocery store and saw all the Cosmo covers, but as husbands and wives, we're just not talking about our sex lives. Exactly. To each other, to 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 anyone, you know, specifically to each other and, and also talking about what you like, what Mm. feels good, what, you know, getting into the nitty gritty, there really shouldn't be a safer place in the world for, let's just say a woman or a man really, but I'm going to say it from the woman's perspective to be able to share that than with the person she's committed to spending her life with. That is the ultimate in intimacy is not just that physical act, but the emotional trust, mm-hmm. all those, all those layers that go together and asking and saying what you like, what you enjoy, what you want more of is part of that process. And it only, it doesn't, I mean, it only deepens your relationship in that moment, but I got to believe, I know for me, it filters out into everything else. Mm -hmm. Well, and 
I, I think, you know, you mentioned how women kind of even quell desire a few minutes ago. We even quell that ability to ask mm-hmm. for what we want or to give the feedback. I mean, I tell women all the time, I'm like, look, he would, if he's off by a centimeter and it's not doing anything for you, he would much rather get the feedback. Hey babe, can you just go a little, t- like just mm-hmm. a little to the left? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be good. And, and be able to have that amazing experience with you, be able to bring you to orgasm. He wants to be able to do that. But I it, believe so. I but believe. if you're not giving him the feedback, How if you're you not talking about it, he he's not a mind reader. Mm-hmm. And, and trust me, I spent enough years laying there, you know, kind of stiff as a board, just being like, okay, do what you got to do. And now, now that I chose to be an active participant, I tell people all the time, I'm like, we're going on 22 years. My sex life is better than it's ever been. And it just keeps getting better because we've got feedback built into our sexual intimacy. And you're committed to it. You're, you're not just allowing it to happen whenever it happens. That's not how you would raise your children. Right. Right. You would ha- always have some parameters or something that you were shooting for mm-hmm. in terms of where, what you wanted that person's life to look like and provide every, like we talked about earlier, you know, providing those ways of doing it. What I think is so hard to figure out, and I can say this because we've been married for 31 years and I met him when I was 16. So we've been together for 36 years. He's my guy. He's my guy. And I think that when you're younger, even when, you know, your stage where you have a preteen and teenagers, you kind of don't always remember that there's going to be a you guys after there's not kids because kids and raising kids is so all encompassing you, you almost just feel you can't even come up for air sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and there are couples who are the opposite. They travel together. They take lots of time to do coupley things and their kids are great. And they're probably more evolved than I was at that time, but there is going to be God willing. There's going to be a, you guys like there was in the beginning when the kids are grown and flown, mm-hmm. you know, and when we think of that in terms when we're in the thick of it, I am sowing seeds and I'm building the foundation for what life happens after this season or this time of raising kids, because it's not just about that. You're, 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 it's part of you guys as a couple, but it's not all of you as a couple. Well, and it's interesting, even as you just talk about the aging, we got a message um, from somebody the other day, a couple, they're 75 years old. They have four children, I think four grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. And they were sharing that, you know, their sex life is better than it's ever been for them. He's like, forget this, like old people can't have sex thing. We've, we've crafted this legacy (laughs) and they, because they did exactly what you just said. They started sowing those seeds and, and we routinely tell our kids, we love you. You will not be living with us for the rest of your life. We say it for them and we say it for us, exactly. right? There, there is going to be this season. We take trips without our kids, mm-hmm. right? Because we need to just rekindle what is that identity exactly. as husband and wife. And it is okay, you know, ladies, you're listening. It is okay to travel without your kids. <laughs> it is okay to leave them with babysitters and with family and for them to know that the world does not revolve around you meeting their every need, that other people can do that. Exactly. And your husband will also be in that place on those trips where it's like, oh my gosh, undivided attention. <laughs> so true. Wow. So true. Okay. You know, and you may find, you know, kind of like when we did the 60 days of sex challenge and, and, you know, Tony's the one that needed a rest day first. I was like, wow, there can be too much of a good thing. Okay. <laughs> but, I love it. But you have to build it because it doesn't matter if 
you know, if you're a blended family, it doesn't matter if you had, you know, children very, very early on in your marriage, what's going to happen after those kids grow up? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen, you know, when the two of you retire? Because maybe you don't have kids, but there will be a retirement season for you. Mm-hmm. What is that connection going to look like? Mm-hmm. And we can't just keep waiting, you know, keep putting it off and saying, you know what, I'll deal with that when it comes. Right. We, you know, part of the premise behind your show, and I love this about being bold and brave and sassy is, you know, women that are bold, brave, and sassy, they take action today mm-hmm. because they're creating the life they want. They're not just sitting back going, I'll just react to whatever comes my way. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where all the power is. And so mm-hmm. I know a lot of women are so buried in, you know, having a job, running a household, trying to have a marriage, doing, being everything to everyone that they lose themselves and they also lose confidence in, in mm-hmm. how they make decisions and making decisions because it could impact some, you know, everybody else. And I'm not talking about being irresponsible, but making your husband and your intimacy a priority is not a conflict of interest. <laughs> it is not a detriment. You can only benefit from that for the short term and for the long term. And I, I, I think a lot of women just need permission Mm-hmm. that you get to decide your own life in your own marriage and you don't have to listen to the outside voices, the old tapes, anything from anybody. It's just about you guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't have to look other places for those answers. We already know if we would take the time to turn around, face each other, look each other in the eye and just be together and talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's powerful. I mean, everything that you guys are doing, I think it's no wonder it's a number one show on iTunes. Come on. Like <laughs> this is stuff that people listen to and probably don't admit because right. they don't want to admit that there's an issue or there's a problem, but this is so foundational. Mm-hmm. And if we want to talk specifically about how God created, I mean, he created man and woman to be together and right. he created us to have a bond. He created us to do life together. He created us to go through and lock arms and forge and, you know, do all the things that life brings. And when those are weak connections, it weakens the whole fabric of the entire society. Yes. You know, we can see that. We can see that making the kids the idols and putting them on this pedestal where everything they they do and everything they want is of the utmost priority and everything else is lesser. We can see how that shows up, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what you guys are doing is phenomenal. And it's, really important. And I'm sure you guys have a lot of fun with it too, because once you crack the crack down the walls and break down the walls of people's, you know, embarrassment or just unfamiliarity with talking about this topic, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys have amazing breakthroughs for people and you've been monumentally generous with your time. And I think that we could probably do about 10 shows (laughs) and do a different topic on how to get through every show, but I don't want to try to stuff it all in one show. So I think we have covered amazing things right now. And I almost feel like this is the kind of content that people need to listen to a couple of times because as we talked, and even as you and I were talking, my mind was kind of spinning off thinking about my own life and thinking about my own mm-hmm. marriage. So you, you know, listen to multiple times and dig in and know, of course, that all of these shows will have show notes. I'm going to have all of Elisa's information about how to listen into their podcast, how to get in touch with them, and just a little review of what we've done, some bullet points and stuff like that. So you can review it quickly. And Lisa, I just want to thank you so, so much for being here. You are a blast and I love your confidence and I love just your boldness, which you're sharing this because it is super important, foundationally important. And I love it. I love it. So thank you. 
it, it was my pleasure. And yeah, this is, like you said, it's that foundational piece. And when couples have this, the world changes, marriages change. I agree. I agree. Thank you, God. That's awesome. Permission to go have more sex, you guys. Go do it. Yes. Go do yes. it. Just do it, like Nike says. So everybody, I want to thank you for being on the show this week or for listening into the show this week and having Elisa on the show. And I hope that you'll continue to download and subscribe and review the show. All of that helps to get it to more people. If you know people who need to hear about this or the other topics that I talk about and interview people about, then have them tune in and recommend it to them as well. So thank you so much for being here. And until next time, this is Annie Berryhill signing off. Thanks again. Thanks again.